a devoted life uh, put up for me. Mark chapter 14 says this. It was now two days before Passover. This is happening now in, in the Passion Week of Jesus, the last week of his life. It was two days before Passover and the Festival of the Unleavened Bread. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, or the people may riot. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had, previ- a man who had previously had leprosy. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard. She broke open the jar and she poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wage and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. Classic line, by the way, as we talked about stewardship. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Today, we're technically wrapping up our stewardship series, and we're heading into Easter. And uh, I thought this was a good segue between the two series, especially as we're going to end our service today by celebrating communion. We have talked the last number of weeks about what happens to you and to those around you when you're a giver. Last week, we talked about how to handle your money and your debt and steps to come out of debt and all that stuff that we went through last week. Today, this story in Mark it's sort of a, uh, it's, it's a zone out, kind of a bigger picture look at how our whole lives as believers are given in devotion to Christ, that we, we, are, we are his, that everything we have is his, and we are to give our all, our best, our first to him in devotion. He is the one that we place the most value on. He's the one that we serve. He's the one that we love above all else. Now, this story is told a few different times in the Gospels. In John, we read Mark, but in John's version, he identifies the woman. In Mark, he doesn't say who the woman is, but in John, he says that the woman is Mary, which is really interesting. And it's not... It's not, uh, there's a bunch of Marys in the Bible, but this Mary is the Mary that a lot of you would know as the sister of Martha and Lazarus, right? You know that story? Remember, she was the one who chose to sit at Jesus' feet and to listen to him rather than uh, to get up and help Martha prepare the meal. You remember that story? And Martha complained and said, tell her to get up and help me. And Jesus said, Martha, Martha, Martha. You're worried about so many things. Mary has made the better choice, right? It's that same Mary who does this deed today in uh, Mark 14 that we just read. She's a remarkable woman, uh, truly. And I, I have to tell you, just this week as I was refreshing myself with this story and doing some study on it, 
her life and this, this act of devotion that she did, uh, it, it just touched me all over again. It was uh, just a remarkable thing. It shows really how deeply devoted she was to Jesus, that nothing was out of bounds for her to give. Nothing, nothing. And it got me thinking about what are the signs of a devoted life? How do we know? Looking at the life of Mary and even just in this one act, what signs can we see that were in her that, 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 that could be in us as a sign of a person who's devoted to Jesus? And I just came up with three, I think, pretty straightforward ones, but I think they're powerful ones. The first is extravagant love. Some, what, is, what is one sign of a life devoted to Jesus? It's a person who has extravagant love. Now, people in love sometimes do crazy, extravagant things, right? Especially when you're young. You know, uh, you know all the love songs, you know, whatever. When a man loves a woman, come on, I sleep out in the rain, right? All that stuff, right? So I sleep out in the rain, uh, just not tonight, yeah. Um, but you know how it goes. Uh, we'd climb every mountain. We'd cross every sea. We'd drive three hours just to be with you. You know, this kind of stuff. We do crazy stuff. We do extravagant stuff when we're in love. But here's the difference. This was not an irrational, impulsive, immature choice decision that Mary made. She was for sure inspired by the Holy Spirit to do this. She brought the perfume with her to the dinner. She, it wasn't at her house. It was at Simon's house. She brought it with her, fully intending to anoint Jesus with it. Clearly, she had it in mind to do before the dinner started. What Mary did was so over the top. Do you understand? Get this today. She, it was extra, right? It was, I love, I love the word extravagant because we don't use it very much, but it's such a cool word. I love that it starts with extra, right? She, what she did was extra, way above the norm. It was shocking. It was breathtaking. It, it was mind-blowing to those who were in attendance that day. She pours out perfume that was worth a year's wage. Okay, what do you make? Don't shout it out to me. Save that private. You know. What do you make? What did you make in 2018? 20,000, 30,000, 50,000, 80,000? Whatever it was, she gave it. She gave it. She poured out a perfume that was worth about a year's wage to the common worker back in her day. Some scholars actually believe that, that this this alabaster jar, alabaster jar was a, a very expensive, the jar itself was very expensive. It was imported from, um, I believe it was India, where they got it from. And so the jar was, was what uh, people in the day would keep their most precious ointments in because it would, it would keep the ointment good and not let it go stale. And they'd seal it, they'd seal the top off with wax so that it wouldn't evaporate or go bad or spill. And... Um, so in order for her to get it out, she, that's why it says she broke the jar and she poured it out. She didn't just pour out a drop or two. She poured it all out onto Jesus. 
So some scholars believe that this alabaster jar of expensive perfume was a family heirloom to her, that it was possibly passed down to her from someone in her family or possibly given to her as a dowry for when she was to marry. Um, it looks like she's still single at this time. So she, she, she has this thing, and back in the day, this dowry was something that a, a bride would bring into a marriage, something of worth to offer to her husband um, that, that they could use together in their marriage. And I, I'm sure if this is true, and it, and it quite possibly could be, She's probably wondering, okay, and even if it's not, she has this jar and she has, she's probably had it for a long time. And she's, she's, she's probably wondering, maybe over a number of years, how am I, how am I going to use this perfume? What am I going to do with it? What, 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 uh, what purpose will it serve? You know, I could imagine as a young girl, she was thinking, well, maybe one day I'll, I'll, I'll break it open you know, I'll, I'll try to poke a hole in the wax so uh, I can wear just a few drops of it on my wedding day. Maybe that's how I'll start to use it. Maybe I'll, I'll sell it for my husband and I to use when we get married. Maybe it's that thing we'll use to buy our first house with, right? Maybe I'll save it and I'll pass it on to my children. What, whatever dreams or plans that she had for this thing, I want you to know that that day that she poured it out, she poured out her future. She poured out her security to anoint Jesus with it. Not just a few drops, but she cracks open the bottle and dumps the entire thing on him. She pours it all out. I'm I'm just saying this to say, do you get it? I want you to get a sense of we, we glibly read through this story. This was an incredibly precious thing. You, you getting it? Say, uh-huh, just with me, right? Like, this is, this is important for us to understand. It's, it, it's an incredibly precious thing. And she breaks the jar and pours it all out. And so the question you have to ask is, why would anybody do such an extravagant thing? Why would you take the greatest thing that you have and pour it all out? She gave the best she had because Jesus was worth it to her, right? Nothing was more important to her than him. And so the mark of a devoted life for a believer, it's got to include, it has to include extravagant love for Jesus. Someone said, yes, pastor, come on. This isn't a silly thing. It's not an immature thing. I'm not talking guys about, guys sometimes have, oh, I love Jesus. It's not some goofy romantic thing. This is a powerful thing. It's a courageous thing she did. It's a committed thing. It's an unconditional, unwavering devotion that she shows. This is an amazing thing she did. An extravagant love is called for because we have an extravagant God. He poured out his love for us. So it makes sense that to be following him in a sincere way means that we pour out our lives for him. It just makes sense. And the more I think you understand Jesus, the more I think you understand who he is, what he's done, the more you, you, you're self-aware even of 
who you are without him and the hope that you have with him, right? You begin to understand that he deserves nothing less than an extravagant commitment in return. I, I pulled out this story because I thought it was, it was really funny. I had it in my file. I don't know if I've read this before. If I have, excuse me, but it's a true story. According to Router's uh, uh, news agency, Daniel Lethner and his wife, Remy, were married December the 12th, 1993. Now, evidently, they believe in doing up anniversaries in a big, big way. Before they even celebrated their first anniversary, they made plans for how they were going to celebrate their second. They made plans to go to one of their favorite plays, The Phantom of the Opera by Andrew Lloyd Webber, which they had already seen, by the way, many times, the article says. But just going to the play was not enough to express their love for each other. They wanted to make a grand gesture. So more than a year in advance, they bought tickets for every seat in the house of New York's Majestic Theater for December the 12th, 1995. They bought 1,609 seats for their second anniversary. So... When I read you a story like that, okay, what's your reaction? They? Yeah, so, so yeah, they have the money. Yeah, right? But, but think about it this way. You're thinking to yourself, that's crazy. Come on, no lying in church. That's crazy. Wasteful. What a poor use of your money. Why are you doing that? Aha! That's what the disciples were thinking. Caught you. Right? This is exactly what they thought. I, I admit, Gary, it was a setup, yes. Extravagance is crazy. It's over the top. It's extra. It's mind-blowing. It's, it's, it, it brings criticism upon you at times, right? It's all of that. That's what the disciples thought. It's exactly what they thought. So Mary shows, by the way, that at times, and and hear this because I think it's important. Mary shows, this story shows, and Jesus affirms what she's done, right? So it has to mean that there are times in our lives, in our service, in our commitment to Jesus, when extravagance is the right thing to do. I just heard a pin drop. See, whatever you quote-unquote waste on Jesus, it's not really wasted at all. Jesus said, leave her alone. Leave her alone. For she has done a beautiful thing to me. That's what he said. See, sometimes we think generosity or extravagance is limited to those who have a lot of money. And, and, and we've, we talked about this in the last few weeks, but it, it bears repeating here again, right? Yes, this couple had the money to buy the seats, and they did, and they did it in an extravagant way. But, but sometimes we, when those of us who have less, we think that it's, it, it's an excuse that we don't have to be generous and we don't have to be extravagant because only those who have a lot of money can do that. And you know that it's pure nonsense, We've talked about that the last few weeks. It's, 
it, it, see, it's to Jesus, and we, I'm going to look at this scripture that we looked again just to refresh your memory, but to Jesus, it's always about the heart. It's always a matter of the heart, not the amount. And, and it's, under, it, it's, it's important that we get that. Look at Mark chapter 12, put it up for me, 41 to 44. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts, and then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. See, Mary gave something that was incredibly expensive. This widow dropped in two pennies into the bucket, and Jesus gives them both praise. Yes? He gives them both praise, right? It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of sacrifice, not about the matter of the amount, as if he needs your money. He holds the world in the palm of his hands. I think he's pretty good without your money, right? It's for you, right? It's for your benefit, as we talked in the last number of weeks. Both ladies, Mary and this widow, one gave something very expensive, one gave something not very expensive, but they both gave out of a deep commitment to Jesus. And they both were praised for doing it. And so this is what's important. Jesus saw that Mary's heart was right, right? He sees the Pharisees and the people at the temple that day dumping buckets into into the, you know, into the coffers, and they'd make a scene about it. They'd bring in coins and make it nice and loud so that everybody saw and heard how much money they were giving. Praise me, praise me, I'm wonderful. Look at how generous I am, how committed, how wonderful, how, how much I love God. And Jesus says, what a bunch of trash. Trash. He says, that woman, she gave more. Her motives, Mary's motives were good, and she was responding with sincere love and devotion, just like the widow was. When we give of anything, when we give of anything, folks, the real issue is this. And you might, I, I, this came to me. See if you like this line. I wrote it down. I'm going to read it so that I don't forget it, okay? When we give of anything, The real issue is whether we are trying to give attention to Jesus or to gain attention for ourselves. I I just made that up, but I thought it was good, and I shared it with you. So, see, it's all about the heart. Are you trying to give attention or are you trying to get attention? The heart is what he sees and what he most cares about. See, one, the giving of attention to him, it gets the blessing as we talked about a couple of weeks ago. It gets the blessing. The other, it's completely rejected. And it doesn't matter how much money they gave. They didn't get the blessing like the people who were giving it with the right heart. See, so sincere extravagant love, sincere extravagant love is what he's looking for. Yes, extravagance. Extravagance doesn't always have to mean a million dollars. It just has to be sincere. She did what she could. She did what she could. Say it with me. She did what she could, right? 
He's not asking you to do anything that you can't do. Give money that you don't have. Give of a talent that you don't possess, right? Give time that you don't have. He's not asking you to give things that you can't. He's asking you to do what you can, right? Jesus viewed this anointing by Mary as prepping his body for burial. One of the uses of that nard was it was poured onto bodies as they were prepped for burial and put into tombs. And so she, she, she does it ahead of time. And he sees that as this prophetic, this prophetic sign of what is just a couple of days away from happening. And in so many ways, you see, right, Mary's pouring out of her expensive perfume, it foreshadows the act of Jesus pouring out his precious blood for us, right? The disciples didn't understand that the value of Mary's action, it wasn't measured in the monetary value. He didn't care about how much it cost in money. He cared in the spirit in which it was given. And, and, and when a gift is given out of extravagant love, I believe the gift giver doesn't stop to think about the price. She didn't think about the price at all. When a gift is given out of extravagant love, the gift giver doesn't stop to think about the price. So that's one. Two, extravagant sacrifice. And uh, just, I I won't be long on this, but our relationship with Jesus, you know this to be true. It's not just about getting. Yes, we receive. Every breath we breathe, every blink of an eye, everything is because of his mercy. Every good thing we've ever received is from him, right? But it's not just about getting, right? It's also our relationship with him is also about surrendering. It's also about sacrificing. This is a bit of a harder message today. This isn't a, you, you, you with me? I'm calling you. This, this, is, this is like the cost of following him. And it's important that we understand this, that there's, there's a cost to it, right? It's, it's not just all Jesus is a giant Santa Claus who just blesses me and blesses me and blesses me, blesses me no matter who I am, no matter what I do, all that stuff. Yes, some of that is true, but it's also about surrendering and sacrificing, right? Mary didn't offer just a few drops of the perfume. She poured it all out. So the widow gave sacrificially out of her need, the Bible says in Mark 12, not out of her surplus, right? So uh, look at this, 2 Samuel 24. This is a story about after David had taken the census and he'd, and he'd sinned and made a mistake, and God told him uh, to go make a sacrifice. So David went up to do what the Lord had commanded him. And when Aruna saw the king and his men coming toward him, He came and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Why have you come, my lord, the king, Aruna asked. David replied, I have come to buy your threshing floor and to build an altar to the Lord there so that he will stop the plague. Take it, my lord, the king. Use it as you wish, Aruna said to David. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering. You can use the threshing boards and the ox yokes for the wood to burn, uh, to build a fire on the altar. I will give it all to you, your majesty. And may the Lord your God accept your sacrifice. But the king replied to Aruna, No, I insist on buying it, for I will not present burnt offerings to the Lord my God that have cost me nothing. So David paid him 50 pieces of silver for the threshing floor and the oxen. 
See, David says, I will not, I cannot offer the Lord something that has cost me nothing. He is worth sacrificing for, right? I read this quote this week. I don't remember where it came from, but the guy said something like this. Until giving becomes sacrificial, it remains inconsequential. And it just just, uh, convicted me deeply, so I hope it does the same to you. But uh, he says, he was talking about not just money, but everything, everything, our life, our service, our worship, right? We come in, why shouldn't we give him extravagant worship? Is he, is he worth it? Yes. Does, is, he, is he worth giving of our money? Yes. Is he worth giving of our time? Yes. Is he worth giving of our talents? Yes, he gave them to us so that we can give it back to him, right? So he's worthy. And the, this guy went on to say, until, until you're giving, giving of it all, your whole life, your whole life devotion, until the giving becomes sacrificial, it remains inconsequential. I thought, wow, how powerful that statement is. It has to cost us something to serve God. True worship involves sacrifice, and a lot of people simply don't get this. Look, I'm looking out this back window, okay? There's cars driving up and down Hoover Park and coming up Sandiford. I can see them right now. There's a white Jeep just drove by. Don't turn around, trust me, okay? Just happened, okay? Right? There are people driving by our church right now, seeing a bunch of cars out in the parking lot. They think we're wasting our time, right? Why would people sacrifice their Sunday morning to come here? Why would they sacrifice any money, any energy, any time or talent to a cause like this, right? Or to the kingdom of God in general, right? Like we talked about, we don't give to keep the lights on. We give to see the kingdom of God extended on the face of the earth, right? So true worship involves sacrifice. They, people think worship is a waste. They think that everything we do sometimes in here is a waste. They don't understand why any of us would do it. But like I've said to you before, what I just said, the more we understand Jesus, right, the more we understand that he's worth the sacrifice. Amen? He's worth the sacrifice. So third, extravagant inspiration. Look at uh, Mark 14, 9. I love this. This is, this is uh, uh, just a great, great verse that I think people jump over too quickly. I tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. And here we are on the other side of the earth 2,000 years later, and we're still giving Mary cred for what she's done, right? It's true. It's true. But it, it just, it reminded me, and I remind you, how will you be remembered? How will I be remembered? What will the legacy be that we leave behind? And I think we begin to think about this. Isn't it true the older we get? Uh, at least I'm old now, so I'm starting to think about it. You know, it's uh, amen. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. 
how will you be remembered? What is the legacy that we're leaving behind? Not just, forget money. Forget all that stuff. Come get your will and get that stuff right. I'm talking about the, the, the bigger stuff. What is the legacy that we leave behind? Look at John 12, verse 4. But Judas Iscariot, uh, the disciple who would soon betray him, this is the same story. This is John's version of the same story. He said, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. So here's the thing, right? So Mary comes in and she pours this expensive perfume on Jesus. All the disciples complain that it's a waste, but particularly Judas makes a big fuss about it, right? Not because he cares about the poor, but because he wanted them to sell it so he could steal some of it, right? Both, my point is this, both of these people are remembered for what they did. We're remembering Mary and, and Judas has become, I mean, nobody wants to name their kid Judas. We'll name our daughters Mary, but we will not name people Judas. Both these people are remembered for what they did, right? Judas is willing to sacrifice Jesus for a financial reward. And Mary is willing to sacrifice a financial reward for Jesus out of love. Both these people are remembered for what they did. How will those coming behind us, how will they, how will they remember us? And the other question that I was thinking of is, how will those coming behind us know what a devoted life to Jesus looks like if they've never seen one. It is our responsibility to leave that legacy behind those who are following us. Not just to our children. You understand that you're leaving an impact in this church. We're a family here. We're the family of God. If this isn't your home church, somebody knows you. There's people that love you and care for you and know you deeply. And you're impacting their lives. You're leaving something behind. It's not just cash. Who cares about the cash? It's something greater, more powerful, deeper, right? How will those coming behind us know what a devoted life looks like unless they see one, right? Mary is remembered throughout the world 2,000 plus years later for an extravagant act of devotion, right? And, And like I say all the time to you, Generous people change the world. Come on. Generous people change the world. Stingy people don't change anything. Generous people change the world. Right? So a devoted life is this huge inspiration. This is is what Mary left behind, an extravagant example of inspiration to follow. Right? When, when you see, understand this, when you see a real devoted believer, <laughs> it, it does usually two things, a couple of things. It, it usually convicts you and it inspires you because it exposes the lack of devotion in your own life, right? 
You see somebody who's out there and you're going, whoa, I can't believe what she did. Wow, can you believe what that guy does, right? Like it, it convicts you and inspires you at the same time, right? Because it always exposes the lack that, 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 that's in us. And, and my question simply is this. If a humble, small village girl like Mary can inspire the world, why can't you? Why can't you? We may not be talking about you 2,000 years. I think in 2,000 years, we're probably all around the throne anyway. But, uh, but, but peop- maybe the world's not going to talk about you in years, in years to come. But you know what? Somebody will. A number of people will. This church, we remember people that pass on. I could tell you so many people that have inspired me, that have helped me, that have, that have, that have done, that have just placed something in my own life that has made me richer. And I don't mean with money, right? We can do this. Mary did it, and you can do it too. So a devoted life to Christ is ours for the taking. It's there for us. It's right there. Nothing is hindering us. Jesus says, come. All it is, is your want to. How big is your want to? How bad is your want to? Because if it's big enough, we can follow him. We can follow him with extravagance. We can love him. We can, we can be devoted to him. We can sacrifice. We can inspire others. We can be the men and women of God that he really wants us to be. Well, one guy believes it. Thanks, Gary. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. But it's true. It's true. We can do this. We have an extravagant God, and he is worthy of extravagant devotion. So I've uh, got to wrap up here. So when Mary poured out the perfume, it says in John, she poured it on, on his head, and it kind of run down, and then she poured some on his feet, and he was sort of just all covered with it. And she wiped her hair. It says she, uh, she took her hair, and she dropped her hair down, which was an incredible sign of humility back in the day. And she wiped his feet, uh, wiped the perfume off his feet. And it got me thinking, she carried the scent with her, right? So Jesus was smelling like that perfume clearly right up until probably was hanging on the cross, still smelling like it. And Mary is also smelling like it. And it reminded me of this scripture in 2 Corinthians, put it up for me, chapter 2. It says, but thank God, he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Check this out. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Mary carried the odor of Jesus with her. And we carry him with us as well. Wherever we go. So our lives can be, our lives should be, an inspiration to others. We can love him extravagantly. We can sacrifice to him extravagantly. We can be a source of great inspiration to some to somebody around us, maybe to one, maybe to many. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the number. What matters is the commitment and the devotion to Christ. So let, let's, uh, let's live our lives devoted to Jesus.
and let's spread him around wherever we go. That's what we do. So you're carrying him with us. So you're either going to smell good, Christian, or you're not going to smell good. Okay? Some Christians walk into a room and they bring a sweet perfume into the place. The room just got better because they walked in. And you know, none are in this room today. But there are some who walk into a room, say, I love God, I'm committed to Jesus, and the room stinks when they walk in. It stinks. When we carry the perfume of Jesus, it is an extravagant, sweet perfume. As we age, we don't get old and grumpy. We get old and sweet. And we, sw- we smell better and we carry the fragrance of Jesus with us. You're 90 years old, 92 years old, whatever you are, you are an inspiration to all of us. We need inspirational characters among us. We need to see it. We need to understand and leave the example for those who are coming behind to see what a devoted, sweet-smelling life really looks like. We need you badly. We need you badly. Jesus poured out his life for us. It's time that we just poured out our lives for him. He's worth it.